yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the after. Welcome to the new After the Bell Rings podcast. Thanks for joining me. This is your host, Micah Barnes. You guys know, as always, every single week, every single week, I have a different guest, and this week's guest, I'm telling you, is you're gonna want to take notes for this one. I spoke with Ashley Bendixson, who's a a top speaker. She goes around the country teaching young kids, teaching young girls and young boys too about dating violence and bullying prevention. Why? Because she has her own story. Check this out. Tell everybody your your story, how you got started in in being an advocate. Sure, it's definitely not something I ever set out to do. I had a very difficult, you know, childhood and adolescence, and I was finally able to come out of my my own challenges and struggles in my early 20s. And at the time, I remember just feeling compelled to do something about it because I knew that a lot of the issues that I faced when I was younger were issues that a lot of young people were facing. Um, and and like myself, many people feel very alone. So. I kind of made the decision back when I was about 21 to get involved in some way. And for me, I started volunteering with local organizations that aligned with some of the stuff I'd gone through. And that then turned into someone asking me if I would speak at an event and share my story. And I quickly realized the power of kind of just starting these dialogues and opening up and being vulnerable and connecting with other people and how that could be a means to drive change and to help so many other young people like myself. So I kind of just started volunteering and donating my time everywhere to speak and and to advocate and to share my experience and also learn more at the same time. And then that kind of just um, turned into this uh, mission of, you know, you know, studying the criminal justice system. And I worked in the justice system. I worked in victim services. And eventually I decided that I felt I could be doing even more. And that's when I decided to leave that day job and go on the, the real prevention side of things. And now I, I speak full time to youth, particularly in the areas of uh, healthy dating, um, which essentially is, you know, the prevention of domestic violence and sexual mm-hmm. assault and even just unhealthy peer-to-peer relationships. So that's what I do. I, I travel from school to school and I speak to young people about healthy relationships and even more importantly, personal leadership and resilience and how to um, not get into those situations. Mm-hmm. So you, what, about what, um, what's the lowest age that you speak with or speak to? You know, um, I've spoken to um, kids as young as age seven. Uh, and of course, the conversation is very different, um, but it's focusing on boundaries, um, respect, uh, feeling comfortable talking to an adult when you feel like something bad has happened. And I know that when I have a chance to speak to younger girls, I, I really focus on self-esteem and self-worth because that's a big part of why a lot of times people get into difficult situations or, or can't get out of difficult situations. So I, I've, I've spoken to young people. For the most part, I'm hired to speak from middle school upwards, um, but I do like speaking to students young because I, I don't think it's ever too early to start talking to kids about this stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, because, um, like, things happen. Like you said, you speak to the kids as young as seven. Things happen way before before then sometimes, even personally. I've, mm-hmm. I've had, had had conversations where, 
girls who say they were they were molested or even raped sometimes even younger than that and right they say it it really has a a profound impact on on their self-esteem and their trust and the way they carry people the way they speak with people just in their everyday lives it started from something that happened like when they were probably about five or six mm-hmm yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny because sometimes I'll go into these groups where I, I have a younger audience and I'm trying to sugarcoat everything I'm saying. And then <laughs> one little girl will raise her hand and be like, you know, can you see domestic violence? You know, can your parents do domestic violence? And I'm like, what are we, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the, the stuff that they say, I'm like, oh, I, I wasn't ready for that. Or, you know, somebody raises their hand and they start talking about, you know, mommy had to go to jail or their brother's in jail. And it's like, oh. It just right. got real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, it's like so eye-opening because you're like, okay, these kids definitely know what I'm talking about, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's funny. I I heard a, a youth speaker once give advice. He said, "Always talk to your audience as if they're five years older, because that's how they see themselves, and it actually mm. is how they understand the world." So, if they're fifteen, talk to them like they're twenty, yeah. and you know, maybe it's the same thing. If they're five, talk to them like they're ten, because they probably do get it. Yeah. That, wow. That's a. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Now, what? So you you speak to kids as young as seven, all the way. Uh, all the way up to college. Mm-hmm. So what, what story or what is, what is your story? What do you, what do you tell them? Sure. So, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, I think, um, I think the first time I ever started thinking about my self image and my self esteem and my self worth was all the way back in second grade when I had a, a teacher who kind of treated me differently than mm-hmm. another little girl in the classroom. Uh, and it was the difference between, you know, me wearing hand-me-down clothes and, and not really looking as um, socially acceptable as perhaps this little girl that this teacher loved who had the nicest clothes and her hair was always done. And I would overhear all these little comments that the teacher would make about, oh, this little girl is so adorable. And the parents would kind of say the same stuff. So, like, as crazy as it sounds, as early as second grade, I, I developed this theory in the world that how you look you know, will dictate how uh, people accept you or how people treat you. So I had a really low self-esteem from a young age. And I think that for me, it contributed to um, everything else I faced a little bit later in life. And um, in a nutshell, you know, in middle school, I was, I was bullied pretty badly. Like I said, I came from a large family of older siblings and wore a lot of hand-me-down clothes and, mm. you know, wasn't that cute, kind of an awkward kid. And I so I got struggle. picked on a lot in, in middle school. Yeah. But it's like, you look back, I was like, everybody was kind of weird looking, you know. <laughs> um, but, but so I had a hard time in middle school. And when I went into high school, um, uh, for the first time ever, you know, my dad had given me a small allowance. I bought new clothes. I got rid of my glasses and my braces and all those things. And when I went into high school, I felt really confident and I thought everything was going to turn around. And unfortunately, that was just like the beginning of everything bad that could have happened because now I had a target on my back. And so from day one in high school, severe bullying by my female classmates and um, I just had a really tough time going through those years. And then to add to that, um, I finally, you know, had a boy that had a crush on me and I was so excited that a boy actually liked me for once. It wasn't yeah. the other way around. <laughs> and that, that first boyfriend of mine when I was 14, unfortunately sexually assaulted me. 
Um, so that was my, you know, very first date. My first introduction to love and relationships was wow. sexual assault. And what made it so challenging is that um, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to feel like something had been wrong. You know, he would say things like, you know, I thought you cared about me or isn't this what we've been talking about, spending time together, being together. And so it was very confusing as a 14-year-old to understand, you know, if maybe some what I had just experienced was, was normal. Right. And so I kept it bottled up. And as a result, um, I he ended up repeatedly sexually abusing me for about a year and a half. And I ended up drinking at a young age and I was, you know, cutting and self-harming at a young age. I was severely depressed. I had a lot of self-esteem and identity issues and developed eating disorders. So high school was kind of a, a train wreck for me. And then when I went to college, I was hopeful for a fresh start. I picked a college about two hours away from my hometown and unfortunately, as much as I felt that I had learned and grown from my tough high school experience, I still hadn't developed the personal leadership that I needed to stand up for myself. And I ended up getting involved in a severely abusive two-year relationship um, that derailed my whole life from isolating me from my family and friends, pulling me away from my, my classes. I was failing my classes. And eventually, he forced me to drop out of college, and we became homeless. And so... That's kind of the bulk of my story in a nutshell. And when I was finally able to leave my abusive boyfriend, um, I had to do it through the help of the court system because he had actually pretty badly attacked me. And so that was kind of the end of that long stretch of, of struggle and challenge. And I remember just having this moment where I realized how much of my life I feel like I had thrown away and how much of myself I had thrown away because so many people had mistreated me all those years. And I was just fed up finally. And something in me just sparked and I hit the ground running and I knew I wanted to drive change and make up for lost time. And, and so that's kind of what I'm doing now. Um, so, you know, really looking back at my experiences and trying to figure out what went wrong along the way, what could have helped and trying to fill those gaps today for, for young people experiencing the same issues. Wow. Wow. That's wow. That's that's incredible. You left you left oh. one 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 abusive relationship in high school and mm -hmm. and ended in a in another abusive relationship in college. Yeah. And I think um, I think what what made it so um, unexpected is that, you know, my my boyfriend in high school mistreated me and he was he was mean to me and he, you know, bullied me. And, and so I knew that he was kind of a bad guy, but when I went to college, the guy I dated was like dream come true, super sweet, likable. Like all of our friends really liked that we were dating. People were giving us like the thumbs up. <laughs> and that is what I've learned today. The first phase of any abusive relationship is that they, they're, they're charming in the beginning. They mm. are almost too good to be true. So here I was thinking, oh, I finally found somebody who, you know, checks all those boxes off, you know, respectful yeah. and, and kind and, and patient. And he was all those things. But the problem was the abuse came later, you know, when I was too in, in, in too deep and, and it was much harder to leave. And, you know, that's why so many victims stay trapped. So, yeah, it's but again, I think like what I said earlier, I think had I just had a little bit more self-empowerment and just leadership, you know, for myself, I might have ended it sooner and not stayed for two years and not thrown everything away because of it, you know? Yeah. 
So what would you tell the the high school now? What would you tell the high school version of yourself? Like if you were if you were kazoo and standing over your own shoulder, <laughs> like, like what advice would would you give you? Oh, um, my goodness, that is such a tough question. I think um, I think that I would tell myself that um, I had just as much worth as anybody else in the world, you know, because I. I definitely, I kind of always saw myself as like, I, I definitely have a, had a victim mindset. You know, I thought this is just what my life is supposed to be. I'm supposed to struggle. This is just the hand I've been dealt and wow. I'm never going to be top of the class and I'm never going to be the smartest and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be the person that has a perfect relationship. And I just kind of accepted that. Um, so I think I would go back and just kind of remind myself of who I was long before all of these things hit me, you know, remind myself to remember who I was when I was five years old and the world was my oyster and I was, you know, curious and, and, you know, there were no limits on what I could achieve. You know, I, I would encourage myself to remember that. And I know that today as a speaker, I think one of the biggest things that I, that I provide that helps other students is simply telling my story honestly, because a lot of times they'll come up at the end and say, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going through. This is what my best friend's going through. So I think what could have really helped me was just hearing somebody else talk to me about this stuff, like in plain English, like if somebody does this to you, that's called abuse or assault or rape. Um, Cause I felt so alone. You know, I felt like what I was going through was so unique and nobody could understand it. Yes. I can see how like your story would just kind of open up Pandora's box and, and just allow people to, to tell their stories like, Hey, this happened to me. And, this is what I'm, what I'm going through. Do you have any advice for me? Yeah. yeah and it's, it's so common, especially with technology today, you know, the, the boundaries oh of like space and, you know, giving someone a little time away from you doesn't exist anymore. You know, you send someone a text and you expect to hear back within minutes. And if you, if you don't, what's going on, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. really tough. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like relationships are super unhealthy now. Yes. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I, and uh, up until, up until now, I hadn't really, really thought of, of technology, like the role that technology plays in, in relationships. I, like you said, when people don't text you back in, in two minutes and you're like, Oh, what, what are you doing? It must be over there with somebody else or I'm not on their mind. Like what's, what's going on? And you, and you panic just because the message is so, so readily sent. It's so, so easy. Right. And it's like, I know they have their phone on them. So why wouldn't they answer? You know, it's like, well, maybe I don't have to answer right away. I mean, and this is, you know, the result of us growing up in a world where like you would, you get a call at your house and if you weren't home, they might hear back from you hours later, you know, yeah. um, before cell phones, but even like social media. So now you'll find like, let's say the girlfriend's mad at the boyfriend. He's not answering his phone. Now she's like looking at his Snapchat, looking at his Instagram, yep. figuring out whose house he's hanging out at. And then showing up and then, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, so, actually it's have, so it's needed. Yeah. I actually have a friend right now who's like, you kind of described, <laughs> described her where she's, she's dating <laughs> a guy. And if he doesn't respond immediately, she's like, like checking Instagram, checking Snapchat. And, like Facebook doesn't exist right. in, in the young world right. anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, where is he? What is he doing? <laughs> Calling him. And yeah. yeah. So as far I know, and it's funny, like a lot of times I'll say, you know, to an audience, like, you know, excessive texting can be a red flag. And they're all like, what? We text our boyfriends and girlfriends all day long. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just 
it's weird. So it's almost like we're entering into a, a world where like, you know, unhealthy relationships are almost like normal, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you kind of just segued into, into my next question. Like what are, mm-hmm. what are the red flags in, in relationships where you can say, Hey, such and such is doing this. Like that could be, I don't want I don't know if, if symptom is the right word, but that could be a sign, a sign of, of an abusive relationship, whether it's in our own relationship or if we mm-hmm. see a friend going through, through that. Uh, so what are, what are some of the, the red flags? Yeah, I think, um, I think if it's you in a relationship, I always say that if you feel like you're walking on eggshells, um, or if you ever kind of just feel like you're going a little bit crazy because of the thing someone's saying to you, that's a red flag. Like the walking on eggshells thing is big. And it's one of the first warning signs that you see in a relationship. So, for example, um, my abusive ex-boyfriend, he wanted to spend a lot of time with me. And in the beginning, I wanted to spend time with him, too. That was wonderful. We were both, you know, head over heels for each other. Uh, and then one night I said, well, I can't tonight. And he got very upset at me. And that turned into an argument. And from Whoa. that day forward, I was afraid to ever say, like, I can't hang out today or can't hang out tonight. So already I was, like, kind of walking on eggshells around him, like, afraid of how he would react. Um, and that's really common. Like, you don't answer the text right away. That turns into a huge argument. Well, next time you're too afraid to, like, you know, you're going to be, you got your phone glued to you because you don't want to upset them. So that kind of walking on eggshells to not upset them, that's a major red flag just for a person in a relationship. And I think as friends, I think it's pretty easy to to have a, a hunch or an instinct about a friend when they're in a, a not-so-great relationship. Um, a lot of it can be seen, you know, your friend doesn't hang out that much anymore, um, maybe they're not as involved in school or clubs or they're spending, you know, an excessive amount of time with their new partner to the point where it almost seems like they can't not see them. Right. Um, I think just kind of being open and, and aware to that um, and not feeling like uh, like it's not our place to speak up, because if, if you're concerned, you absolutely, absolutely should speak up. You know, unfortunately, Far too often, friends and family don't really know what to say. They feel like it's not their place. But I think just paying attention to those little changes in someone um, and asking them about it is is a way that we can really help people. Now, as in your in your abusive relationship in in high in high school and college, did you have mm-hmm. any friends around you to say, "Hey, watch out for watch out for this," or "I have a funny feeling about about him." Um, no, not really. Um, when I was in high school, I kind of had like my one best friend because I went to a very small school and honestly, like I was, I was the B girl that everybody bullied. So I had like my one best friend and she was always there for me to talk to and she would encourage me to talk to an adult and to get help, but I never really listened to her. And then my abusive relationship in college, he had isolated me so much from everybody that I did not have any friends at all, and it also isolated me from my family. So even my family, like, wasn't talking to me. So I really had, like, no one in, in college. So unfortunately, no, nobody was nobody was trying to get me help or even warn me. Wow. wow. So nobody, nobody around you even, like, did you feel like you had no, you had no support or? Um. 
almost it's almost like because everybody was so silent you're like all right well nobody cares so you know clearly like like screw all of you (laughs) (laughs) right you know it's like um the few times that i i was struggling and nobody seemed to notice or, or offer anything it was like well forget it then I'll just stay with my abuser because at the end of the day like even though my abusive boyfriend was you know abusive to me there were moments where he was really great and he was my my best friend so it was just kind of easier staying with him um but you know even like in college my the RAs um my teachers with my grades dropping like nobody ever asked nobody ever spoke up even in high school when I was you know, always late to school or my grades were suddenly dropping. Nobody ever spoke up and asked me what was going on. So, you know, and it's very common, you know, bystander inaction. A lot of people just don't speak up because they don't know how to or they don't know what they should say. So, yeah, no one helps. Wow. So one of your one of your comments just punched me in the face when you said, I'll just stay with my abuser. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was... um. It was just easier. It's like at the end of the day, everybody else had abandoned me, but he was he was still there, you know. I mean, it was it was by his design, you know, that he isolated me. But and I think that's the misconception. You know, it's not all bad, and that's why victims stay. That's why a person would stay dating somebody that mistreats them because it's not bad every day. There's a lot of really great days, and you kind of always hold out hope that. Um, eventually there'll be more of those good days and this is just a phase. They're just upset about something their coach said to them or they're just upset about their job or a grade they got, you know, so you just make excuses and you kind of keep waiting for more good days. So, you know, there's a lot of reasons that someone stays, even though they know that uh, it's not perfect. So when you, when you're out, when you're out at school speaking, what's the, if you haven't, haven't shared it already, what's the biggest misconception that that youth um, see about your story, that youth um, see about your story and abusive relationships? Is there anything that they're like think, most shocked to hear? I think that, I think this is common for all ages, but definitely for young people that they think dating violence or dating abuse um, is physical. And uh, verbal and emotional abuse and psychological abuse are the most common types of, of dating violence that Definitely. happen among teens. So, and I know for me, I would say, I would say this internally all the time. Well, he's never hit me and it's not that bad. Mm. But to be honest, like what I experienced was almost worse because it was a total mind game. And I really felt like I was going crazy and I threw my whole life away. So I think once I start talking about um, somebody that, you know, pulls you away from your friends, they want to control what you're doing, they're constantly asking where you're going, they're constantly accusing you of things, uh, even when you've done nothing wrong, they don't trust you, all of a sudden these light bulbs start going off, like, in every kid's mind, because if it's not them, it's someone they know, and all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, like, that's what this is, you know, we, we knew it was bad, I knew it was a bad relationship, I knew they had issues, or they had, I thought they had anger problems, but once I put it out there, you know, in a non-physical way, so many students self-identify or say that they've recognized this happening all around them. Yeah. And that can even go outside of, just as you're speaking, um, that can even go outside of um, just relationships, just the, the boyfriend, girlfriend relationship. Like anybody who puts you down and makes you feel like less than 
whether it's a teach a teacher or a mentor or anybody else, anybody that puts you down mentally or emotionally, like that's that's a form of abuse. They don't even have to put put their hands mm-hmm. on you. They can like even an insult. That's abuse. Right. Tell, telling you you can't oh, do something oh. is abuse. Absolutely. And a lot of them at the end will come up and say, you know, everything you taught us can like your best friend do that to you. Cause a lot of them are getting this from their friends. Like, why didn't you answer my text right away? Or why aren't you coming to my house this Saturday? And you, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. so it, it, yeah, you're right. The, the warning signs and the behaviors are universal. And if anybody treats you that way, I think it's about getting young people to, to realize that at that moment, you need to learn to be strong enough to cut those people out and then talk to an adult and, and get the help that you need because that can play a really damaging role on who you are as a person. And for some people, these things that they've experienced, they carry with them their whole lives. And that's, that's really sad. So, yeah, so you're right. So from, from going to uh, experiencing abusive relationships to, to really carrying that message and, and being an advocate for um, the obliteration of, of domestic violence and speaking to, speaking to schools. Where do you see yourself next? Like what's the next, um, it's the next frontier, the next message, uh, that you want to, that you want to get out? Ooh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I have so many, I have so many big goals and ambitions. Um, you know, honestly, I, I want to keep focusing on what I'm doing. I really want to become a resource and a known name in this sphere. You know, the world we're in, a lot of these issues are, are you know, at the forefront uh, in media and the whole Me Too movement. Um, but interestingly, there's still not much of a spotlight on domestic violence, which is very different from sexual assault. Um, and there's so many people out there that are suffering. So I really want to keep honing in on this issue and trying to raise awareness. Um, and incorporating kind of my personal theory on what I think can reduce that, and, and that is focusing on developing resilience and um, leadership skills in people of all ages, but definitely youth. So hopefully I can continue to speak more and write more and do some more media interviews and, and really um, spotlight this issue even more than I have. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So I was, I was really trying to, trying to, uh, to nudge you in the direction in the mention of of a book oh yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm i am working on a book um actually interestingly i am <laughs> finished with one book which okay. is going to be publishing this year but it's not about this issue um okay. oh, it's okay. actually i lost my mom a few years ago so it's mm. a book i wrote about that experience um, but there's still some great universal messages in there about time and opportunity and living life to the fullest. Um, but I am working on a book for students in particular, um, and then also just a separate book on uh, just kind of how to overcome adversity and challenges to use trauma as a catalyst to achieve greatness and to become larger than you ever thought you could be. You know what? I just had an idea. You should yeah. do. You should do a. Do like a comic book, a comic book for, like. for young girls to say, like to really, it. really speak to them. Like this is, these are the, the signs or the, the red flags of, of abuse. And like you said, it doesn't have to be physical. It can be mental. It can be emotional. If, 
somebody insults you and puts you down and makes you feel like like less than you are. Uh, and that's that's abuse and really, really boosting their self-esteem. So I think that's as, uh, from my perspective, I think that's definitely something that um, younger kids and definitely my high schoolers that they they need to know is just uh, just self self-awareness and self-confidence. Absolutely. I love that. And I mean, people, kids today are so visual. That's, that's how they like yeah. to learn. So I love that idea. Mm, see? So you can, mm-hmm. man, I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> no, we'll just do it together. <laughs> but, and, and you know what? I know, let, let me know. Cause I know some, uh, I know some good, some good artists in, in my program down here in Jacksonville that would love, awesome. love that. Yeah, I'm not an artist, <laughs> so I need all the help I can get. That'd be great. Yeah, me either. Like, <laughs> stick figures. That's what that's what you get yeah. from me. And, yeah, and no, I see it in my head. Right. Yeah. And those sticks may not be proportional. Like the right leg may be a little longer than the yeah. left leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. They may be giants. <laughs> your six-year-old may be bigger than your daddy. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, Ashley, I I definitely appreciate you. Um is there any other any other nugget, probably a nugget of the day that you wanna that you wanna get out there? Um I guess uh just for anyone listening, you know, I'm I'm definitely a resource. I answer every email and every message I get. I'm on all the social media channels, um, and I can give you my information at the end. But um I I guess uh I guess if there's any parents listening, um, I just really implore them to learn more about this issue because my parents never, you know, stepped in or offered any help to me. And I think had they, um, things would have been very different. Um, and I do have a, a free parent ebook on understanding teen dating violence and what to do. And I can send you links for that if you want to blast that out at any time. Right, sure. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can get that out now. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, my website is ashleybendixon.com, and if you do ashleybendixon.com forward slash parents, uh, the ebook's right there. And I think it's really helpful. It explains all the warning signs, explains how to talk to your teen, explains how to approach them if they are dating someone that you're concerned about. Um, so that's really helpful. And of course, if I can speak in anyone's community, I am, you know, I, I travel nationally. So if anybody thinks this is great, just Drop a line to the the local principal, and and I'll take it from there. I'd I'd love to reach as many students as I can. It's definitely a big goal of mine. And if anyone thinks that I can serve their community, I am ready and willing. <laughs> we got to get you down here in Florida. Yeah, I would love to. Especially right now, I'm in New England. It's very <laughs> cold. I would love to uh, come down this weekend. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Def- define. Now, I'm from, I'm originally from Indiana, and I'm not. Yeah. Like, like New England is. Probably maybe a sl- slightly colder than than it typically is in Indiana. What's how cold uh, is it? In New today it's like thirty, um, which is actually like surprisingly warm. So it probably feels like twenty degrees out. Mm. <laughs> but I'll, in a few weeks, it could be like in the negatives, like negative four degrees. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. So it's cold, and I'm I'm a summer girl, so this feels like freezing to me, you know. <laughs> you fit right in uh, in Florida right I now. Know, we had a, I know. <laughs> we had a low right, of. Make it happen. <laughs> today we had a low of I think thirty thirty seven. Oh wow, that's still pretty cool though. Yeah, yeah, but yesterday it was like seventy three. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> 
Yeah. So Ashley Bendixson, uh, speaker, uh, founder of Blue Hearts Project. Yes. Yeah. Blueheartsproject.com. It's a platform. Anybody can share their story. I think sharing our stories helps other people. Put that in, in the description for, for this podcast. Awesome. Yeah. So Ashley, international speaker, uh, I appreciate you, uh, spending time and sharing your story with, with my audience. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. And thank you for all you do. Ooh, one of my favorite times of the podcast is, you guessed it, the quote of the week. This one comes from Laura Preble. There are worse things than looking stupid. Sleeping through life is one of them. Don't forget, you can catch the podcast subscribe 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 um you can also catch me on instagram at micah underscore db you can catch me on facebook uh just search who stole my future and you'll see my my face up there and you can also check out my website go to who stole my that is who stole my and you know what here's what we got coming up next week Guys, ladies, listen up. I don't care what age you are. I don't care if you could be my niece's age, um, my age, my mom's age, my grandmother's age, my great-great-grandmother's age. It is never okay for a man to put their hands on you. Ever. Conversely, we didn't mention it in this podcast or in this interview, but ladies, you should never be in a situation where you have to, where you feel you need to put your hands on a man. Because he's going to, a lot of times he's going to retaliate and put his hands on you. That is not the definition of love. Violence is not love. It's my two cents. Uh, you can catch Ashley Bendixson on her website. Look her up. She's got a lot of good, good things that she not mentioned on this podcast. Um, so she's got a lot of good things that she's doing for youth. Uh, so catch her on our website at www.ashleybendixson.com. Uh, it's Ashley B-E-N-D-I-K-S-E-N. All right. So AshleyBendixon.com. You can also, also follow her on Instagram. Uh, just search that name. Search Ashley Bendixon. Um, Ooh, and it's time for one of my favorite times of the podcast. It's the quote of the week. Today's quote comes from none other than Buddha. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Don't forget, guys, you can catch me on Instagram at Micah underscore DB. That's M-I-C-A underscore DB. You can also catch me on my website, at who stole my future.com. That's the name of my book, Who Stole My Future. You can also catch me on Facebook at Who Stole My Future. Uh, and if you're if you follow me on Instagram or whether you follow me on Facebook, hey, just uh, drop me a line and let me know you heard the podcast. Ooh, 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 ooh. Check this out. 
yeah, it's my favorite time of the one of my one of my favorite times of the podcast. Uh, it's the quote of the week. Today's quote comes from none other than Buddha. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Don't forget, guys, you can catch me on Instagram at Micah underscore DB. Uh, that's M-I-C-A-H underscore DB. You can also catch me on Facebook at Who Stole My Future. You can also find me on the web. I got a website, uh, Who Stole My Future dot com. Uh, Who Stole My Future is the name of my book. So definitely on my website, you get a chance to, to learn my story. Um, so whether you catch me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever, uh, just drop me a line and say, hey, I heard the podcast. It's dope. 